Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Coons, you know international cricket is in a bizarre place when most Aussie cricket fans, probably including myself, and even some of our senior players are perplexed as to the fact it's even being played at all. And that's where we are now, courtesy of a shoehorned five-match T20 series against India, with neither team fielding even close to their best 11. I would describe the cricketing landscape at the moment as a cluster jam, just a real mess. Our next guest is doing his best to solve a host of deeply ingrained problems, but I can only imagine how complex it is. His name is Tom Moffat. He's CEO of FICA, the Players' Union for Cricketers across the globe. And he also played four Shield games for South Australia. Tom, it's a pleasure to have you on Sports Day. Tom, Adam, thank you for having me. Good to be on board. So the question I think most Aussie cricket fans want to know, Tom, off the top, is why is Australia playing a T20 series against India immediately after a World Cup? How does this actually happen behind the scenes? Yeah, so I think the the reality with how international cricket is is scheduled, um, bilateral international cricket in particular, so when when one country plays another country outside of an ICC event, is that that that's a product of um, a number of years ago at ICC level, um, there used to be a, a, a framework for scheduling that was based on reciprocity and based on a more symmetrical you you tour home and away um, within a certain period of time. Um, and it was a far cleaner model. In 2014, that was all deregulated, um, which has basically left international cricket being scheduled based on individual deals um, between individual national governing bodies and, and other individual national governing bodies. So they will um, they will fill the calendar based on whatever deal they've made at a point in time. Um, and that's the reason um, that we sometimes get some slightly random series, um, perhaps like the one going on and I think a couple of years ago, we also saw England and Australia play an ODI series just after the, the T20 World Cup that was held in Australia as well. So that's, uh, that, that's one of the key reasons there, Tom. So slightly random is probably putting it politely, and it seems to happen all the time, and we complain about it, or cricket fans go, what's going on, and then we move on, and it happens year after year. So what, is the, what do the players think of this? What's the players' position on these slightly random series? Yeah, so I think, I mean, look, cr- cricket generally is spoilt for choice. Um, we've got three, we've actually got more great formats and, and there's something for everyone. And, um, you know, we actually just met with the FICA teams um, at the World Cup in India with all the international teams there. We met with the women's teams earlier in the year in South Africa. And the structure of the game and, and global scheduling is one of the biggest issues for the players um, and for the game to grapple with. And, um, we we look at the game and, and we talk about it with the players across three distinct landscapes. Um, there are ICC events, and, and, and we've obviously just seen the Aussies win the, the World Cup, which is an ICC event. 
it's bilateral international cricket. So when, when one country plays another country, for example, in an Ashes series, and increasingly there's the major domestic T20 leagues. And um, if you look at the way that cricket's structured um, at global level, there's really no coherent structure for the game as to how those three landscapes marry up. Um, and we know that you know, the, the value, if you look at cricket as a business, um, the value across all of those landscapes is probably generated on the back of the same 150 players who are, are cutting across playing in each of those different landscapes. And, and that value underpins most of the game globally. So the, the players understand that, the, you know, the, obviously, scheduling is, is relentless. Um, and the, the discussion with them is very much around how can how can the game come together to set up a, a framework, perhaps with scheduling windows um, or something along those lines, to um, to enable uh, domestic leagues and international cricket to coexist, um, and also you know, perhaps just um, pump the brakes a little bit on some of the scheduling overload that we see around the world. Is there a, an acknowledgement from the ICC that it isn't coherent and that it is a bit of a mess at the moment? Yeah, I think there's look. I, th- I think there's definitely an acknowledgement of the issues across the game, um, and as as you know, Tom, I think pointing out the issues is often the easy part. It's it's finding solutions that's the challenge. Um, but there's no doubt that in- increasingly in recent years, um, it, it's it's become more overtly acknowledged by the national governing bodies and at ICC level. Um, and a part of that is that you know the players. Um, drifting out of international cricket and into domestic leagues, for example, has, has been happening in some of the smaller countries for a number of years now. Um, the fact there's now pressure in, in some of the bigger countries like England and Australia um, because players are increasingly getting paid more and more in the domestic leagues, um, that's, that's brought the issue more to the forefront of, of some of the discussions at international level because as those bigger countries become affected, like the smaller ones have been, um, it, it clearly becomes more of a discussion point at global level. So the BCCI are heavy hitters in world cricket. I'm assuming that most countries have players' unions. India do not. Why is that? Yeah, very good question. Um, so we, as FICA, as um, there are 13 of the top 17 countries are affiliated to us. The, the players from their countries are affiliated to us through their domestic players' association or, um, or, or directly in recent times as well. Um, you're right that India is, is one of the ones where the players don't have an association, same as Pakistan and Afghanistan. Um, and look, across across the world, players in a number of parts of the world are, are subject to some pushback on, on organising a players association. Um, yeah, and that, that's an issue for the game because from our perspective, you know, we think players associations are obviously um, you know, critical to protecting players and their rights, but also... And they've, they've played a critical role in helping to grow the game in each of their countries and, and where we're sitting in Australia at the moment. Um, you know, one of our founding members and, and strongest members, the ACA, do a great job for the Australian players. And you know, I think the, the proof's very much in the pudding there. And um, perhaps a good stat for you guys is that um, the, the last 15 World Cups on both the men's and women's side have been won by countries with a players' association. <laughs> yeah, Very good. We, we love that. You're speaking to the right audience there, Tom. Um, another great question from Adam Cooney earlier, about 15 minutes ago, to Darren Lehman. Have a listen to this, Tom. Do you think the players are getting it right in terms of their balance of how much cricket they're playing throughout the year and trying not to burn out? Yeah, it's a tough one, that one, because <laughs> I'm, I'm pro players. But you, get, you also get a six-week break. Uh, for the IPL. Now, if you didn't play the IPL, you'd be fresh as a daisy, wouldn't you, the yeah. whole time? Mm. 
So it's a catch-22. It, it's, it's something that they've got to work through there as well, and that's a personal choice. So I, I think if you go to the IPL, then you, that's your break. You know, you, you just got to put up with the rest of it. But, uh, you know, that, that's a choice the player's got to make. And they're the choices that the players are having to make all the time. And we've seen that Mitchell Stark has skipped IPLs, Pat Cummins as well. I think Travis Head is now available for the next world um, IPL after not wanting to play in the past, and he's more valuable now. Um, you spoke about windows, but how do you find the right windows? I mean, if India had it their way, it seems, Tom, they'd want a 14-week window for the IPL. It's just getting longer and longer. Yeah, and that's, again, it's, you know, we we obviously focus on the players, but, you know, we, we want the, the game as a whole to be healthy and, and clearly having a healthy global game is good for everyone, including the players. So this is definitely one of the biggest issues that the game needs to resolve. Um, the best players in the world can't be everywhere at at once, and I think Buff's comments there were, were good ones. Um, but the reality is that players, yeah, as, as all of us, they're always going to make decisions based on what's right for themselves and, and their families, um, and that may mean gravitating more and more towards um, you know where the most lucrative offers are. Um, we know, for example, that in countries outside of the biggest three cricket-playing countries, you know, average earnings for an international cricketer um, are around half what those players can earn if they go and play in um, in three of the bigger domestic leagues. Um, and and in, in those leagues, they'd be playing for a significantly smaller time of the year in terms of time commitment. So, you know, we, we know that players love playing for their countries. Um, we, we love international cricket and we want to protect it. Um, but those are the reasons why we... We think if everything keeps being scheduled on top of everything um, without a, a real coherent structure bringing those those two landscapes together, there's going to be one winner ultimately. Um, and we don't want to see that. We want to see international cricket strong and protected as well um, because you know that, that, that's the history of the game and we want to see it continuing long into the future. Is it a catch-22 for some, though? I mean, they, it's pretty hard to say no to the massive paydays of the IPL and some of those bigger cricket tournaments around the globe. I mean, is it a catch-22 for players, given that they could be earning that big money, but then they also want to play cricket for their country as well? Is it just a case of, well, you got to, if you want to make a really good living, you're going to have to sacrifice those breaks? Yeah, look, that, that's... Um, you know, that, that's certainly one way of looking at it. Um, and you know, ultimately, if if the game keeps scheduling domestic leagues at the same time as international cricket, then ultimately players are going to be provided with a choice. Um, we'd like to think that there's a you know a structural um, solution to you know to enabling um, you know both international cricket to be strong and to retain the best players because we want to see international cricket be best versus best but also enabling um, you know, the domestic leagues, which are an important part of the game around the world and, and provide important opportunities for players also, um, enabling that landscape to thrive as well. So you know, the, the scheduling windows, the, the concept of windows is obviously one that we've, we've talked about a lot. Um, that's easier said than done, and there's a lot to unpack with, with cricket's global schedule, but we'd like to think that there are structural solutions to the, the issues we're talking about, if there's a genuine will and, and some leadership at global level on that. What about pink ball cricket? Fans love it. Broadcasters love it. It's gorgeous watching the sun go down <laughs> at the Adelaide Oval with the players streaming in with the, with the pink ball. What's a general consensus on a player's view? Are we going to see more pink ball cricket? Yeah, look, I, th- I think the view um, initially, um, the, the first pink ball test coincided with um, with with me coming on board with Fika, I know the the players' view at, at that time was was pretty sceptical, and 
Um, you know, as with any new concept, I think there was there was naturally some reservations about it. But as it's become um, normalised, and um, you know, I think the the Adelaide Oval example has has become a great event that, that's been rolled out consistently. Um, you know, I think the players have enjoyed it, and that that view's probably shifted a little bit. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's the panacea or the silver bullet to any of the, the issues we're talking about um, you know, structurally, but it's you know, I think it definitely adds um, adds something to the game, and um, you know, from a from a broadcast and a fan perspective, no doubt there's some value there as well. We're talking to Tom Moffat, the CEO of the World Cricketers Union, FICA. I wanted to ask you about women's cricket. Tom, because it's growing all the time. It looks as if it's growing all the time in Australia, certainly England, but do you have any numbers or figures or any facts that demonstrate the growth of it worldwide? Uh, look, I've, I've reeled off a couple for you, but I haven't got anything specific for you in this area, Tom. But what I would say is I think the you know clearly the game around the world on the women's side has taken massive steps forward over the last decade or so in particular, um, but there's still a long way to go. Um, you know, particularly in in respect of um, you know national governing bodies and in more countries investing more into the women's game. Um, I think it's you know, we're, we're sitting in Australia, and Australian cricket deserves a lot of credit for leading in this space. And um, I think the partnership between Cricket Australia and the ACA has been been central to that. And a lot of the other countries around the world have had to play catch up on that, um, both on the field, obviously in the the wild success of the Australian team, but but also off the field with some of the structures and contracting structures and um, and collective agreements that have underpinned that. So I think the look there's clearly been massive progress. Um, but to, to some of the points on scheduling and things like that, I think the the women's games also got a great opportunity to learn from some of the mistakes that the men's games perhaps made um, and to continue to, to blaze its own path as well. Yeah, Tom, just before we let you go, you're in a great position. You have to make some really strong and tough decisions. How hard was the decision to let Tom be your MC at your <laughs> wedding? <laughs> I was hoping that wouldn't come up, um, hoping that might fly under the radar, but no, he did a very, very good job, very competent presenter, um, and he, he behaved well as well. It was a fantastic wedding in Scotland, Coons. I think you would have loved it. It was a big, big Hogwarts <laughs> sort of uh, set up and... Um, he's certainly batting well outside his crease, Tom. Uh, that's for sure. Long, long way to go. With his beautiful be a wife, good wedding. <laughs> Hey, um, Tom, we really appreciate your time. I'm sure I'll speak to you soon. Um, say hello to uh, Arabella and Clemmy for me. And, um, and I look forward to having you on Sports Day and SEN uh, again over the summer. No worries. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time.